0: 97.3 ESPN, WENJ, WENJ WENJ-HD, Millville, Atlantic City. 97.3 ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for Football at Four with Jeff Mosier, powered by InsideTheBirds.com. We expect to win every time we step on the field. You know, that's just the mindset that we have. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, it's Football at Four.
1: All right, football at four, powered by the Inside the Birds podcast. Jeff Mosher's in today. Football at four, brought to you by Cape May County. Top-rated beaches, ample space to spread out in Cape May County. You can enjoy five dining, shopping, hiking, trails, and more. Make some memories just down the road in Cape May. For information online, go to escape to thejerseycake.com. Mike Gill, Hunter Brody, Jeff Mosher, Inside the Birds podcast. He joins us now on the Boardwalk Honda Hotline as we... Take a look at some of the Eagles and NFL news as uh, there's a lot of NFL news happening right now and Eagles news today. Eagles news yesterday, Mosh. Let's start there. How are you, pal?
2: I'm doing great. Great to be on with you fellas as usual. I yeah, hope everybody's man. everybody's doing
1: well. Yeah, we're doing all right. It's been a fun day today. Uh, yesterday was an interesting day uh, when we got the news. Uh, I guess it's not like shockingly or stunningly surprising uh, that Jason Peters signed. I guess it's more hey, that the Eagles not only announced the signing, that in that signing, in their own graphic, they put, they signed guard Jason Peters. So uh I guess the intention is to play him at guard. The question is, which guard will it be?
2: Well, all indications seem to be it's going to be right guard, that he's going to be the replacement, or at least one of the potential replacements for Brandon Brooks. And so we will see. This, this to me is a move that in some ways makes sense because you know who Jason Peters is. He's been a part of the program for a long time now. He's a future Hall of Famer. They were looking for someone who has versatility, but at the same time he's never played uh, at least as an offensive lineman for the past 16 years on the right side, and he has not played guard and I know you've had um, Trey Thomas on your show in the past, and as have we on Inside the Birds, talking about the differences in playing tackle versus guard, how you're dealing with a bigger lineman, how you're 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 dealing with less space, uh, more lateral movement in some cases. And so there's a to me, while while Jason Peters kind of it becomes an answer at right guard, I think his presence also creates a lot of questions, too.
1: All right. So. Here's a question that I guess kind of comes from this then. Uh, you're right. Trey has uh, been on both programs and kind of, ins- uh, you know, insinuated that you don't just ask a guy to play left tackle and then move him over to right guard and expect he's going to be a Hall of Fame-level player. Uh, so, in your opinion, I guess, is it that is that the best move to play him at right guard, or would you bring him back and play left guard?
2: Well, if you bring him back to play left guard, you're my- you might make him more comfortable in a sense because it's his left side, but you don't eliminate the obstacle of the fact that he is a guard now and still going up against a different caliber of lineman and still being asked to move differently, less space. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a different position and it's a position that requires a lot more of that head-on collision and that, um, you know, constant wear on your body that sometimes you can avoid at, offensive tackle, say if the play is in the other direction, where in guard, it's it's always there's always something going on. So you're talking about a 38 year old guy who's had trouble staying healthy um, at various points of his career over the last three or four years, even when he played uh, two years ago, I think he played all 16 games, but he came out a few times. Last year he missed I think four starts. So you're now putting him at a more physically demanding position and expecting him to hold up. I think that that part, even if it were to be left guard, That still becomes a question, and then now you have to take Isaac Sayamalo, who has been your left guard for the last two years, and then move him to right guard and make him readjust to the position. And I don't think that they like having having to do that, so they'd rather have one guy making the adjustment rather than two, which is why it seems to me that they'll at least start off with Jason Peters at right guard.
3: Do you think that Andre Dillard would now feel more pressure, like he's looking over his shoulder if he doesn't play well, if he's not playing to the level that he needs to, that maybe Jason Peters will take the spot from him?
2: I mean, I think, yeah, that's inevitable, Hunter, but I think it's important to remember that the Eagles have been talking to Jason Peters and his representation since the end of the season. So there was always the chance he was going to come back, whether or not Brandon Brooks got hurt because they needed more experience they needed even a a potentially a swing tackle to play big v spot uh off the bench although i'm sure jason peters wasn't thrilled with being a bench player but that's why nothing had happened up until now this gives him an opportunity to start but i do think that if you're andre dillard and you're struggling the team knows it's got an opportunity to move jason peters back there and then maybe fill that hole uh, at right guard with Matt Pryor, so yes, I, I think the the spotlight was on Andre Dillard already coming into this year's camp because of you know what you, the the murmurs in the off season about team maybe putting him on the trade market and things like that, the rumors that you heard, and then of course with Jason Peters being back, I think that that would that'll no matter where, if Jason Peters was back to play wide receiver, I still think Andre Dillard would be fueling the pitch there <laughs> at left tackle.
3: It's such a hard change for Jason Peters, though. I mean, you're moving from the left side, and now you're going up against tackles more so than edge rushers. And I just wonder, is it possible that he struggles so much that Matt Pryor, who was more accustomed to that position, could maybe even
2: beat him out? Possible, yes, because anything is possible. I mean, first of all, Jason's gonna have to stay healthy uh, and make it to at least the the you know the opening kick, whenever that that's going to be. I thought Adam Schefter's tweet when he um, broke the news was interesting too because he, he tweeted that Peters would be playing guard to try to uh, fill the hole left by Brandon Brooks. Not to fill the hole, but to try to. So I thought that that was interesting wording and phrasing. Perhaps that there's a little bit of doubt on the t- uh, on the side of the team as to whether or not this is going to work. I mean, it's worth having him here. It's not cost prohibitive. Um, if he's obviously a good player, he's going to make, even you know, from three to six million dollars. So that that helps them out. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know that anything is a slam dunk for a lot of the reasons that, that we just discussed. And you know, I think that it's it's a fair discussion to have about whether or not this is even a good or smart move. It makes the Eagles better, no doubt about it, because theoretically, because Jason Peters is a hell of an athlete and a future Hall of Famer. And I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he was able to make this transition, whereas it's, it's, it's a difficult one. Other people can't, but it wouldn't surprise me if he could. But at what point, if you consider yourself a draft and develop franchise, like the Eagles have said that they are, at what point do you just cut the cord and go ahead with guys that you've drafted? Because they've drafted a lot of linemen over the past few years.
1: Well, I guess then, what's the message? Is it the message that, hey, we think we're good enough, we're not so sure because of the lack of training camp uh, what we're getting at that right guard position or the left tackle position, let's bring him in, say he's a guard, if our left tackle flounders, we can pump him out there, and if he's good enough to play right guard, uh, you know, but we want to take a shot because we think we're good enough.
2: Yeah, and I've been an advocate on our our podcast Inside the Birds of saying you can still do that by signing a veteran offensive lineman not named Jason Peters who has um, swing versatility to be able to play tackle or guard but isn't so established and doesn't come with a certain amount of cachet that you automatically hand him the job over Matt Pryor. You can have them compete. You give Pryor the lead because he is the guy who's been in your program and you drafted, but if he does not hold up his end of the a bargain, you go to somebody else. The fact that it's always Jason Peters at 38 years old, to me, is a little bit clingy. I, I I really do believe that. I think that you know most teams, I mean, outside of Tom Brady, what other team does this with a player at a non-quarterback position, brings in a guy of that age uh, to constantly, even three or four years after the guy has almost seemingly been, uh, after the team has been ready to move on?
1: Yeah, and I would agree with you to some extent. The only thing I guess you could throw in the caveat is this year's a little different. You got Jason Peters. Now he's playing guard. He's got to learn a new position, but he knows the offense theoretically as opposed to bringing somebody yeah. else in.
2: Yeah, again, there's this is not to me slam dunk right or wrong. I'm just presenting what I think is is the the downside of it. There certainly is an upside of it, but you know, you bring up the point about knowing the offense, you know, I was under the impression, I think a lot of people are, that they brought in Rich Scangarello as a you know a senior offensive assistant to really bring that Kyle Shanahan style run concept. I mean, he's not gonna completely transform the whole offense, but specifically the running game is one that needed a little bit of juice to it uh, as far as you know what it's looked like compared to what it can look like. And the, the Shanahan style is a lot of misdirection, a lot of pre-snap motion. You, you have your guards always on the move, kicking out a lot of athleticism is required, and that's a lot of workload. And so, you know, again, Jason Peters at 38 years old, now playing guard, are they going to scrap what they had hoped for with that kind of style, or are they going to go right ahead and say, all right, Peters, you're going to be outside zone this time, outside zone next time, kicking out to the second line? That's a lot to ask for him. I know he's a great athlete, but, he again, he's 38, not 28. And so you do wonder about what they want to do with the offense and what if there's any limitations now that they have this – guy playing right guard for the first time in his career
1: and by the way in that tweet by Schefter he says he wants to play till he's 40 so I guess the question would be what if he plays well what if he's a good right guard and he plays well then what
2: that's a great question I mean uh, you have to I I feel like every team's got to have a cutoff point right the Patriots clearly had a cutoff point with the greatest arguably the greatest player of all time Uh, and again the Eagles have drafted plenty of offensive linemen over the past two or three years between prior or, or even signed guys that they really liked as rookie free agents. You've got Pryor, Driscoll, Opeta, Herbig, uh, w- and Algo. So they brought in guys that they have believed in and into their system. At some point, if you're a good, and, and they love Jeff Stoutland, they talk about him all the time as being one of the best offensive line coaches in the league. Well, if you're confident in your coaching staff and your talent procurement staff, you've got to go the next step and give those guys an opportunity to, to play.
3: Let's say hypothetically something happens to Lane Johnson in the mi- in the middle of the season he goes down. Do you think Jason Peters then slides to right tackle and then moves over again, or do you think that that's an opportunity for Pryor or Mayalata to step in and you keep Jason Peters at right guard?
2: You know, yeah, we've t- we've talked about this, right? The difference between wanting versatility to decide where an offensive lineman will play to start the season and then keeping that lineman in that spot if you can in the middle of the year because that's where he's practicing. So if there were something to happen to Lane Johnson uh, with Jason Peters at right guard and, and seemingly playing okay enough to keep the job there or well enough to keep the job, I think that they would look to find a right tackle replacement. Matt Pryor has played tackle in college, and as you mentioned, Jordan Maialata is a guy that they are just hoping, hoping stays healthy and continues his – progression because they really liked what they saw from him last year in training camp and he was mostly practicing at right tackle if i believe and they want him to seize that kind of job and to be that top tackle off the bench so there's a lot to be proven on his part but i would think that they would rather go with maialata in that case uh than move lane and then put somebody new at right guard
1: Uh, Jeff Mosher, Inside the Birds podcast here on Football at Four, talking Little Eagles. Of course, uh, Jason Peters signed yesterday. What's the plan? Uh, And then, I mean, it gets... You mentioned about uh, a swing tackle. I guess they're looking at Pryor to be kind of their Vitae. Like, that keeps him in the role that they envisioned for him. Maybe they just didn't think he was ready. Like, that's the role they wanted for him and didn't think he was really ready to be in the starting right guard. Like, he can handle it, but they wanted him to be in that role because they don't really have anybody else to fill that role.
2: Right. I mean, the big issue was that Matt Pryor was um has only one start in his nfl career and so if he's starting right guard what happens if somebody on that line gets hurt let's say Pryor gets hurt or anybody else who's the next man up the next man up is either nate herbig or maialata or somebody else we're talking about that has zero nfl experience right so now you do have something closer to what you have in the past you have theoretically jason peters starting right guard holding it down and matt Pryor as that swing back up. He can play tackle, he can play guard, he can step in wherever you may need him to step in. So that's what they have right now. I mean, my, look, this offensive line is, to me, it almost determines the season coming up because it's, t- in my opinion, it's still the strongest part of the offense. I mean, you have a pro bowler at, what, three spots? You have maybe two Hall of Famers with Peters and, and Jason Kelsey at one, and we'll see what happens with Lane Johnson's career. But it's no doubt about it. The strongest point of the team went healthy, but it's not very deep right now. And a couple of your guys are really long in the tooth. Uh, obviously, Jason Peters and Jason Kelsey, who's had a lot of mileage on him. He's 33 years old. If he gets hurt, then you're, you're really scrambling again. All
1: right, Jeff, uh, let's move over to the news from yesterday. And then it was kind of uh, backtracked today by the Philadelphia mayor. There was some news that there was going to be no large gatherings, which – pretty clearly was stated that that included the two sports teams. I mean, the the comments were pretty straightforward and pretty clear by the managing director, uh, Brian Abernathy, who confirmed the Eagles are going to be allowed to play, although without crowds. Also, the health commissioner, Thomas Farley, said there's no way for them to be safe having crowds there. So, the large gathering ban was yesterday. Today, the mayor came out and said, well, the Eagles will continue to communicate with their fans, so there's a possibility here. So, uh, did somebody over at Lincoln Financial Field or the Care Center pick up the phone?
2: I would have to think so. I mean, there was a, a backpedal <laughs> to the highest degree from Jim Kenny, the mayor, when he said, oh, by the way, those those uh, public events moratorium we were speaking of are only about events that require a permit, like a festival and a parade. And then he said sporting events are a little bit different and would be, um, I think, they're based on current guidance as COVID-19 evolves. So what I found was that was a, yes, a call was placed from the Eagles who clearly thought they were going to be exempt from this. And also, it just shows you that this is extraordinarily fluid right now. I, I think, you know, the Ravens announced today that there'll be no fans in their training camp, even if health officials permit it because the NFL and NFLPA protocols are already saying no. Same thing with the Packers. They did it yesterday. We're in a very fluid um, moment with everything here. And so I wouldn't be surprised if the message changes a couple of times, but it didn't shock me at all that the mayor had to kind of come out and say the Eagles were not part of what they were talking about yesterday.
1: So, all right. Obviously there's a lot of teams they don't know. What are we feeling about then about training camp? It feels like after each day that goes on, you know, camp's supposed to be in like 12 days. I mean, I was listening to Inside the Birds this morning. You and Adam were talking about it like, hey, they're going to have training camp in like 12 days here. Uh, what's the feeling from coaches and front office people as we get closer?
2: Well, they're kind of preparing to go, but uh, the people I speak to are not exactly sure if they're preparing to go for the right reason. I mean, the, the coaches, personnel people are creatures of habit. They always want to be prepared, and so they're preparing themselves. But I know it's been expressed to me by a couple of people that I spoke to that they wouldn't be surprised if the start of camp was delayed. I mean, as you and I and Hunter, we talk here at 4 o'clock, there's an ongoing conference call with the – and it might be over by now, but there was a a long conference call with the NFLPA reps uh, about the calls that are going on between the NFL and the NFLPA. There, I believe, was a report from NFL Network that they're still uh, apart on some key issues, including preseason games and finances and until that's worked out you're until these return to work protocols are hammered down then there's going to be uncertainty about whether camp starts on time so every day that we get closer and there's not an agreement is a day that you kind of wonder well what's going to happen with the start of training camp but however as andrew Brant likes to say deadlines uh create action right and so if july 28th is the day that the nfl really wants to get going and the players then they'll figure it out.
3: We have a poll up today and it asks, do you think that we will have the NFL football season at all and the the answer is or the the options are yes start on time, yes won't start on time or no. How
2: do you vote on this poll? I would vote yes and start on time because I do believe that the I I look I mean you don't have to even (laughs) there's no reading the tea leaves here with the NFL the NFL wants to go it wants to play it wants everything to be normal and it'll just make adjustments based on fans in the stands or not or COVID testing and what needs to be done the NFL wants to go I I believe the players for the most part want to play they just want to have their health and safety be prioritized and so I do think that there will be a season it may be a whole lot different than what we expect, but I guess I'm feeling a little bit more optimistic than maybe two, three or four weeks ago because you're seeing uh, soccer in Europe being played. You're still seeing, I think, baseball in in Asian countries being played. We're seeing the return of the NBA fair and and baseball here is I I was impressed and encouraged, I should say, by the uh, very low number of baseball players who tested positive and now they're all doing their, um, you know, Uh, uh, training camps if you will and and the baseball season was expected to start so as long as these things continue to trend in a positive direction i feel like the nfl will feed off that and just keep putting the pedal to the metal
1: uh jeff mosher from the inside the birds podcast of course football at four we uh talk nfl eagles each and every day at four o'clock right here on the sports bash and then you know you look at Jason Peters, now, Brian Baldinger had put out that this was good. There was a big move coming. First let us is that the move he was referring to? Or is there something else on the horizon still for Howie Roseman?
2: Well, I mean, I believe that that was the move Brian Baldinger was referring to. He's a former offensive lineman. He was at the offensive line summit uh, last weekend in Dallas with uh, Layton Johnson and with um, – some other, you know, prominent offensive linemen. So I'm sure, I'm sure the word was going around. So that's what I, I, I'd be positive of. Now, does that mean that Howie doesn't have another move left in him? Uh, as we know, Jadavian Clowney is still unsigned. And we know that Yannick Ngakwe uh, wants out of Jacksonville. And, again, with both of those guys, it comes down to what do you have to give up, whether it's either draft picks or cost, um, financially – to bring a guy in Howie is not afraid to be aggressive, but we've gone through the issues that the Eagles have financially. I mean, they're they're up against the wall next year, the year after there's a, a prospect. It, it looks more and more likely that without fans, that the salary cap will take a hit in the next few years. And that's not going to help the Eagles out. any. so it's not going to be easy to get any of these guys unless something happens where they get them at a bargain rate.
1: Hey, Gawkway is interesting. Uh, nobody signed their, um, franchise tags uh, any thought on what could be his future he's a name that the Eagles were kind of mingled in uh, some time ago.
2: yeah well, I think there's there's two ways to look at it. One is that he's report he's come out and said he's willing to play on the franchise tag. So that helps for some teams that may want to be able to acquire him but can't necessarily um, or don't know how how to structure him long term yet you know I mean you can take the risk and at least get him. For one year, and not have to worry that he's not going to play, so that helps. What hurts is the COVID situation, the, the the you know the fact that money is not flowing right now. I mean, I know Derek Henry is about to sign a, a big deal, and there have been the Chiefs have been giving money away to uh, their worthy players, but in general, you're not seeing a whole lot of huge spending. And the fact that Jadavion Clowney is still out there uh, this close to the start of camp just shows that. So I don't know that anybody's going to trade for Ngakwe right now without, you know, really thinking about the financial ramifications of it.
1: Uh last one for Jeff Mosher, Inside the Birds Podcast. Check it out. I listened this morning. Great stuff in there. Uh as always. And of course, uh tomorrow Adam Kaplan is here on Football 4. Pelicero from the NFL Network reporting the league's latest proposal includes two preseason game. Uh the players association wants nothing, and they want no preseason, plus testing frequency and injury protections uh for those who con- uh contract COVID uh, so there's still a lot that needs to be ironed out here but your your guess two preseasons or
2: or nothing <laughs> I would guess nothing I, I don't I don't I feel like it's I feel like the, NFL, the the players really believe that this is a um a non-starter for them that they should have that they really feel would feel safest without preseason games so does it, I, I just, just real quick does I,
1: this have the feel of baseball then where it was like ah they're gonna play and then the next thing you know we had a two month long back and forth of them couldn't figure it out. <laughs>
2: Well, I mean, we're talking about a player's association and owners. And so, as I always say, one side could present the most beautiful, most perfect, most well-articulated and most sensible rationale in in paper of an agreement. And the other side, just no matter what, in principle, will say, "Not, that's not good. Right. I mean, that just happens all the time. So we'll see. I I don't know if it's going to get as acrimonious as it did with baseball um but i guess the potential is always there it just seems like this one is down to just a few key issues that i think that they can they can navigate
1: all right uh at jeff mosher nfl football at four of course the inside the birds podcast check that out and uh check out inside the Birds.com for more from the guys tomorrow it's adam kaplan friday it's andrew to and football at four with all the latest on the nfl jeff mosher you're a gentleman and a scholar
2: <laughs> I am neither, but thank you. I appreciate
1: it. Uh, all right. He, like, all guests appeared. via the Boardwalk Honda kind of Hotline. Not a gentleman. He said he's neither. Yeah, he said I'm not a gentleman. I take. I would say 100% Jeff Mosher is a gentleman. I would have to agree with that. One of the nicer human beings I've ever come across. And okay. in this business, it's hard to find people who are not somewhat uh, jerkish. Now, you're not a jerkish. I yet. was just about to ask yet. that question. Yet. Now,
3: are you saying that uh, I'm a jerk? I said yeah. Yeah, so
1: you think I have room to grow. You could become a jerk. A lot of people that work in this business become a jerk. Is it good to be a jerk? Jeff not one of them. Is it good to be a jerk in this business? I don't think so.
3: Okay, I'm just asking. Some people would say yes.
1: Uh, Yeah, they would.
3: You know what I mean? Some people would say, yeah, you know what? It's good to be a jerk. Well,
1: the people who would say yes typically have six numbers in their salary. The others who say it's okay to be a jerk are typically bouncing around looking for work. Touche. Aight. All Aight. All There's a little lesson for you. Okay. I learned something new every day. Sports Bash football at four brought to you by your Delaware Valley Acura dealers. This month, visit your local dealer for great deals on award-winning Acura lineup. When we come back, the head, uh, excuse me, it's, uh, it's 430. Man, it feels like it's earlier. This show's flying. Must have been that beer. It's Ask Mike and Broads on the other side. If you have a question for today's Ask Mike and Broads. You can text it in right now, 609-403-0973. Text your question for today's Ask Mike and Brodes to 609-403. 0973.
0: There's only one place in South Jersey to hear all the exciting play-by-play action when Sixers basketball returns. Are you kidding me? With the voice of the 76ers, Tom McGinnis. Cut to jam. And that's 97.3 ESPN. Left hand
1: hook. He got it. Difficult shot, but in by seven.
0: South Jersey's home for Philadelphia 76ers basketball. Built from way beyond the earth for three. Let's go.
1: 97.3 ESPN i right, ask bucket You guys send us the questions We'll answer as many as we can 609-403-0973 Is the text board They'll come in We'll read them off 609-403-0973 You send them We answer them By the way Did you see uh, Dak Prescott's brother Just sent out a tweet I did not What does it say? There's a reason I was never a Dallas Cowboys fan growing up or before they drafted Dak after today. Who knows how much longer I'll be cheering for him. Whoa. Wow. Yep. See, now if I'm Dak Prescott, I'm going to be honest with you. Stay out of this. No. Da- no question. Stay
3: out of this. I mean,
1: I don't know why anybody's family member, sister, brother, mother ever feel that it's smart or prudent to do this
3: right it just ruins literally everything not that this was going smooth to begin with of course but you don't want to start getting involved doesn't his brother know that this only hurts things you know it only hurts things yeah that doesn't
1: make Dak look very good yeah not at all so by the way this guy said Mike Broads might be a jerk considering he showed up in a pit shirt the day you were bringing him beer well I
3: didn't know that you brought me the beer to be honest with you so when I came in, you're, you kind of surprised me with, come on, dude, you wore that shirt today? I brought you a beer. Now, knowing you would have brought me a beer, I'd probably still wear the shirt. Mm, that's a jerk. That's fine. I'll accept that that jerk in me when it comes to that.
1: Now, you thought I locked you out because of the shirt.
3: I did. I'm hitting the the code to get in and it's not working. I tried maybe ten to fifteen times.
1: Yeah, it's because you got the pit shirt on. I don't
3: think so. But yeah. you came out
1: rocks the brain. And it's you a need cute. a WVU grad to open the damn door for you. Well, you had trouble the first time. That's because there's a thing that happens that you didn't do. Well, I
3: would like to know how to do this for future times. Yeah.
1: That shirt hate the face.
3: Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Well, Mizzy asks a question. And it is in relation to what Mark Jackson had to say yesterday on the Sports Bash about Furkan Corkmas getting minutes off the bench and Matisse Stibel maybe not getting as many minutes as he should or maybe it is the right call. We don't know yet. But Mizzy asks, should Matisse Stibel get more minutes than Furkan Korkmaz? Because I think so.
1: Depends on the matchup and it uh, depends on the situation of how the game's going.
3: I think it definitely does matter on on the matchup, but it's just so interesting how they both have huge holes in their game, right? I mean, Matisse Thibault's offense is not great by any means, and it hurts the spacing on the floor, but he's so elite at defending. While Furkan Korkmaz is such a floor uh, stretcher for this team, but he can't defend a lick, but I I look at that... the stretching of the floor as so much more important to this team right now based off the fact that they need that so much because other guys have holes in their game to the point where Furkan does make more sense than Matisse, in my opinion.
1: Here's the thing. Yeah, right now, Matisse is not offensively to the point where you can count on him, and Furkan's not defensively at the point you can count on him. So that's why if you need offense— Vercon is going to get extended minutes. If the game is where you need to stop, he's probably not going to be out there as long. I just wonder if the
3: aggressiveness of Matisse Thybulle will hurt him in this situation based off the game's meeting more, but I talked to you off the air and I but mentioned here's a quick question. Yeah, though, go real quick.
1: How are shooters going to be a fa- like a lot of times like a guy like Joe Harris in a playoff series on the road, like he's not like the role players aren't as good on the road playing in a building with nobody. Like, what are these, like, three-point shooter specialist type of guys who are very one-dimensional? How does that affect, like, Furkan Korkmaz shooting in an empty gym? Oh, it definitely affects them. You think it makes it better? Like, it's like shooting in practice. There's nobody there. I would think it would be worse
3: because it depends on how you look at it. If it was a game at the Wells Fargo Center, it's worse because there's times where he hits three threes in a row, and every time he touches the ball, the Wells Fargo Center gets electric, and it only kind of pushes him to do it more. But on the road, he struggled big time and he had some bad woes shooting the three on um, the court that was away from home. So it depends, really, because at home I think it would benefit him to be at home knocking down those shots because of the crowd
1: and the noise. Well, most of those bit role players are much better at home than they are on the road. No doubt about it. And it is interesting
3: you brought that up because that was the same road I was going to go down with Matisse Stiebel. If Matisse Stiebel jumps a pass... He steals the ball, goes on a fast break, gets a monster slam in an empty gym. You hear Norvel Pell and Neto giving some <laughs> golf claps on the edge of the bench compared to an electric Wells Fargo center. Got the old towel wave. Exactly. Is Matisse Thibel's game as effective in a situation like this, in an environment like this?
1: I mean, all these guys, you can ask the question for every player, like, is James Harden as electric without the fans? I mean, does he feed off of that and give a little shimmy?
3: That's fair, but I think when it comes to the role players, because Matisse Thybul, his, what he does is so limited and the impact is so big, but it's big because of the momentum swing based off of that crowd noise, right? Because James Harden's playing the whole game, and he's going to drop 40 no matter where he's playing, but Matisse Theibel is so limited in what he does and how many minutes he gets to the point where that limited amount of time that normally gives the team such a boost, it matters because of the minutes that he normally plays, if that, you know, makes makes sense. I look,
1: everybody is waiting to find out what no fans are going to do specifically to the NBA players here. Like, how is this going to affect, and the role players are typically the ones that get affected the most by playing home and road and how that will affect this is one hell of a world we live in. You got one or you want to go with mine? It is a crazy world. Now, go ahead. Give me another
3: one. Paul Gorski coming back in.
1: He Gors- wants to know
3: if we have seen Matisse Thibault's vlogs
1: now, that he's you been think putting Do Paul Gorski is a hate the face? Like him himself? I don't know. Have you ever seen him? No, never seen him. Okay. i just just Like. Well,
3: he chimes in a lot, so I doubt that I'm going to hate the face. And he normally asks some good questions. All right. Let's hear it. Well, he wants to know if we've seen Matisse Thibault's vlogs on the NBA Bubble and his perspective. I on haven't,
1: it. but I saw Keith Pompey write a story for the Inquirer about how they are being well received by the the his teammates. How who is being well received? His his video vlogs.
3: Oh, his vlogs! It's really cool. To I watched. I don't know if the second one came out yet, but I definitely watched the first one, and it is so interesting to see what really is happening with these wristbands and the testing and you go to your room and there's all these bags he had a bag with an NBA logo on it he dumped it all out Kit Kat bars Skittles cookies It's like oh no no. here we go so is he
1: gonna start getting criticized for being the junk food guy well
3: here's the thing you know Joel Embiid got the same exact bag so was he out of shape he also had to pick up Chick-fil-a before they went to the airport as a team He did his ritual where he's the rookie who's got to go get the Chick-fil-A. Here he is almost dropping it out of his car. So, yes, Joel Embiid was eating Chick-fil-A on the plane when they were going
1: to Orlando. Yeah, well, are we surprised that that's part of the the ordeal? That Chick-fil-A is? Yeah. Am I surprised that Chick-fil-A is part
3: of this? No, because I think all of these pro athletes eat not as healthy as they should during certain moments. They're also like very young guys whose metabolisms
1: and they're running up and down a basketball court.
3: To think Matisse Thibault isn't allowed to eat cookies is just ludicrous. Yeah. But people would put that together like, wow, I can't believe Matisse Thibault didn't play well tonight. He probably ate those, uh, what are they called? Edel, Edel. I don't know. I don't know what they're called. Entomans? Yes, maybe. Is that what I'm going for there? Those soft chocolate chip cookies in the blue and white box? Yes. Is that what they're called?
1: An Yeah. Yeah, it's like that Seinfeld episode where they uh, get the donuts. And it was like the Queen of England, some donut. And Elaine goes to the store and replaces it. And the guy's like, how much is this worth? Uh, You know, whatever. And he's like, it's an intimates." The guy thought it was like 30000 Oh, my Lord. Like I don't know if I remember
3: cents. that one off the top of my head. But uh, well, it should have been Strawberry if they did the episode correctly.
1: I forget what it was.
3: Should have been a Strawberry Frosted Donut. Now, this is from Brandon. And... It's a statement, it's, it's a st- it's a statement towards us. You're not going to like this, and I can't believe that people have this mindset. Even if the Sixers do win a title this year, Brett Brown should be fired, and Al Horford should be out of this city and gone. All caps.
1: What's the reasoning if they win the title?
3: He didn't really. Like how do you justify go down that saying road saying
1: that if you're saying they won a title?
3: Well, we talked about this. The people that do not like Brett Brown will say, well, this is such a fluky year. The only reason why they won was because they had a break, and they won because they had time off to figure things out. If this was a normal season, Brett would have never won. What's
1: the difference, though?
3: To me, there's no difference.
1: Right, so I'm not even going to entertain that question. But people feel this way. Yeah, you know what? That's what what drives me nuts. People feel a lot of ways about a lot of different things, and they're not very bright. I'm okay. I've accepted that. See, I don't get mad at people. I don't get angry. I just accept it that there are people who just aren't very smart. If you can come to terms with that, if you can understand that people aren't bright or very smart, you'll get through this life a lot easier. Just realize, okay. You feel the way you do, I'll feel the way I do, and I understand that you feel your way because you're not very smart. You know what's interesting about that? I feel that way about everything, but when it comes to sports
3: debate and sports conversation, that's where I don't accept it and I get all fired up. (laughs) I mean, I guess that's a positive, right? It's only sports debate. That can't cause no harm. You would think. You would think.
1: Yeah. I've
3: seen some bar fights over some sporting
1: events, so I guess, you know, it can cross the line. Yeah, it just comes down to sometimes, like that guy there. You know, he's just irrational.
3: Oh, no doubt You win about the it.
1: title and you think that it's time to, like, fire the coach. He's not the only one to feel that way, though. And I agree with that. There's a lot of people who aren't very bright. That is fair. I'm not fair. limited to just a handful. A lot. A lot? Yep. Okay.
3: Well, Tim wants to know if I'm watching the UFC fights that are on tonight. Now, I'll be honest with you didn't even know that there were UFC fights well, on
1: it. They had the previews all Saturday night.
3: I was just so into the, what was actually happening that night. Yeah. I'm not at that point now where I can start juggling what's happening next in UFC. Yeah, now I mean, how big of the fights are tonight? Should nah, I Nah mean, they're they're not big.
1: Not big. No, this is like a uh fight night type of card. Like, Josh, are, like are you watching
3: guys. the fights? If Josh is watching, then I think I'm gonna watch. It means it's important enough. If he's not watching, that means, okay, bro, you better not turn that on.
4: First of all, I am no barometer for whether you should be watching something or well, not. Well, you're a UFC's man. No, 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 no. You have to remember, I watch things that Mike and you won't even watch at times, all right? Yeah, so, but this is
1: a fair question. Yeah, you're, because a you're a UFC guy. I are you watch rec- every
4: UFC card, but it doesn't mean Yeah, but the
1: that- question is fair. Are you recommending watching this card, or is it like, right? Yeah, it's just le- a- Can let
3: me put it in perspective
1: here? If you said, "Bro, are you watching the hockey game tonight—
3: because I'm a hockey guy. If I said no, then you'd probably be like, oh, man, if Broads isn't watching that hockey game, then that means it's not that big of a game, right?
4: I am watching the UFC fights over my usual Wednesday night watching, yes.
3: What is your normal Wednesday night watching, if I may ask?
4: WWE NXT. Oh, okay. Wow.
1: Wow, I
3: did not no expect UFC. that.
1: Now, the question I think he's asking is, as a UFC watcher, he knows you're watching it. Are you recommending it at, for a casual beginning of fan or is this card not going to be something that's going to make him
4: want to watch again you can do without the majority of the card
3: is this card equivalent to the prelims that were on ESPN before the actual um final card on Saturday
4: uh the majority except for the main event
3: okay well listen the first the first fight on the main card was so brutal it can't be that bad Minus 900. No, I mean, a lot of these guys are,
1: it doesn't mean because they're not as known that the fights are not going to be any less competitive. It's just, you're not going to, you know, they're not, it's like, I don't want to say it's like watching an MLS game against a Premier League game, but these guys aren't as skilled as the guys who were on that card the other night.
4: I think it's a fair comparison, actually.
1: But they are going to, if they're good enough, eventually get to that stage. Yeah, they're younger. These are the younger prospects who are working their way up the, uh, the ranks.
4: This is Alec Baum.
1: I would love to watch Alec. Yeah, I would. Okay. All right, so it looks like I might tune in.
4: The main event should be a slugfest, by the way. Because Age versus Catter is going to be one of those fights where probably someone is going down.
3: Now, people who love UFC, they know everybody on this card? Or are there some wild cards out there that you might not even know? Do you know everyone in every fight?
4: No. Okay. And, and, I, and I'm... First of all, anybody who says they know everybody in every fight is lying to you. <laughs> because at the end of the day... There's always going to be somebody on a fight card for the UFC that they're, they're building up, they're developing, they're bringing along. You know, they have the Contender Series, for example. You know, they have CFFC, the mic is called. The UFC is always gaining people to bring up the ranks. So part of the idea of having them on television is to introduce you to these people. So even if you're a diehard MMA guy, you know, there's going to be people in the UFC that you look at and be like... Oh, that's new. That's interesting. Let me find out about this guy.
3: I'm tuning in tonight.
1: I'm going to tune in. All right, this last one here. I want to address this one really fast. From uh, Rico, he says, Ask Mike and Broads, I feel like Dak, if Dak was white, he would have been signed to a multi-year contract long ago. Jerry Jones wants the face of his franchise to look like Romo, Aikman, Staubach, and Merritt. Your thoughts? Well, I would say that's preposterous considering... Dak took over for Romo, and Romo came back and was healthy enough to play and never got his job back. I mean, if you would think Jerry Jones would say, I don't want this guy to be the quarterback, he would have walked down there and said, you put my guy Romo back under center or else. That never happened. They forced Uh, Romo to retire. Right, I I would absolutely agree with you. But there is some weird disconnect. I don't think
3: it's down that road, but somewhere. They offered him $100 million he turned down. Whoa, well, is $100 million enough money for Dak Prescott? $100 million? He didn't even make the playoffs
1: last year. I mean,
3: just off of what the actual.
1: 33 to $35 the- million dollar annually with $100 million guaranteed. Oh, okay. So you're just talking about the guaranteed money. I yeah, $100 to- million guaranteed. But how many?
3: How long was the years? I thought you meant they actually offered him just a hundred million dollars, and I'm thinking, well, what was no, the years? Hundred million of guaranteed
1: that. dollars, right? That's yeah. a whole different scenario. I don't know what the actual length of the. It says Prescott's side turned down Dallas's offer, which included. Thirty-three to thirty-five million annually, with one hundred million guaranteed.
3: Yeah, that annual salary should be up where he should be accepting that. Yeah, no for doubt. a man who's won what one playoff game? Yes, I agree. That should have been accepted, no doubt. That's the range that he should be getting paid.
1: So I'm not like appalled that the Cowboys did make this work, but I like Dak. I think he's pretty good, but I think that he maybe overvalued himself a little bit. I would have to agree with you. Yeah. On 97.3 ESPN FM. All right, coming up at five o'clock, it's uh, Tyler Donahue covers Penn State football. Will there be college football? We'll really dive into it with him. The Big Ten made a decision to play only conference games. How will that affect the rest of the season and will they play any games? What's the feeling on campuses? In the Big Ten, Tyler Donahue will join us, covers uh, Big Ten's Penn State. 97.3 ESPN has teamed up with Seize the Deal for an incredible weekly offer from some fantastic local restaurants. Here's this week's big deal. It's a $50 gift card to Dickey's Barbecue Pit in Egg Harbor Township for just $25. Dickey's Barbecue Pit on the Black Horse Pike open every day with outdoor dining, takeout, and delivery get this great deal starting friday at 9 a.m at seize the deal.com hurry this deal like all the others will sell out quickly for more information on this seize the deal offer tap on the 97.3 espn free mobile app and every single seize the deal that we have had they have all sold out almost immediately i mean almost every single one you got to get on there at nine o'clock in the morning uh or you are sol on getting the gift certificate now you can get the 50 dollars gift card for 25 bucks you can get 100 dollars for 50 you can get as many as you want you can pile them all up and say i got them all for half the price you know what i'm gonna do and what i've done i've bought one from each and at the end of the summer i'm gonna have a big old party am i invited yep cool not with that pit shirt on them.
3: It's the only shirt I'm going to wear there. I'm going to have a big
1: old IPA party. Have to drink IPAs? No IPA, you're out? Not allowed in. Now you can drink out of the other fridge. Real quick, Dan from EHT. Ask Mike and Broads, what's your best flavor white claw in your opinion? Probably the black cherry. Yeah, I like black cherries, my favorite. Lemon's good, too, though. Mm. Black cherry, I would say. If you're just trying them out... Oh, black cherry. I Raz- like a black cherry. Raspberry. I like a black cherry. Uh, Keith Smith tonight from the Orlando Bubble at 5 30.
0: The Flyers are in the NHL playoffs. And when the NHL returns to the ice, you can listen to all the Flyers' playoff hockey action. Back
1: out in front with the he He's gone. The captain on the backhand puts it by for his 20th of the year. On
0: 97.3 ESP.